Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 58 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. And if you couldn't guess based on the sound effects at the start of today's show, this is an extra special one. Now, as I indicated at the start of this year, wanted to try to do different features with with the show. Uh, one of those uh, features being the commentary episodes. Now, so far, we've only done one episode. I reviewed Batman, did my uh, my reactions while watching the film, giving little uh, factoids along the way. Now, the runner-up in that poll is was the movie Jaws, and I promised at the time when uh, when Batman won out that I would eventually return and uh, do a commentary episode for Jaws. And now, uh, now I'm going to make good on that promise. Summer is uh, is upon us, uh, and Jaws. I mean, Jaws is a perfect movie to watch all year long, but it's especially a fun movie to watch during the summertime. And so I thought this would be kind of our our kickoff to summer. Kind of a, a good chance to, to go back to this feature. I've been wanting to do a commentary episode for a while now. And what better film to do than, frankly, one of my all-time favorite movies. And frankly, and arguably, one of the greatest films ever made. So today, if you want to watch and listen uh, to uh, to Jaws while I give you my, uh, my thoughts, my takes, my reactions, any little... Facts or, uh, or or factoids that I can uh, uh, send your way. This will be today's episode, so a uh, little bit different format. You can watch it certainly uh, at your leisure or lish, uh, listen at your leisure. Think of it as you know pleasure uh, pleasure boating or day sailing, if you will. Um, any event, uh, before I before I begin, I just want to say, as I always do, thank you to you, the listeners, for your continuous support for your encouragement, for your embrace of this show, your response to this show, and most important of all, thank you for your friendship. As I have said many times, and I will say it again here, you listen to this show, I consider you a friend. So you're a friend of Phil at the Movies, and we're on this this cinematic journey together. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, and thank you. So how this is going to work, sort of like we did with Batman, I have the movie queued up here. I will give you the uh, the signal, if you will, and I will uh, I will watch the film. Now, as I said, I don't want to get into uh, into the deep end uh, with uh, any legal uh, any legal sharks, so to speak. So I'm you know it will just be my my voiceover uh, that you'll be listening to. But if you want to watch uh, in uh, in concert with the film. This is a great opportunity to uh, do uh, do the second uh, the second commentary at the movies. So uh, now would be a great opportunity if you'd like to uh, get a drink, get a get a beverage, maybe a bowl of popcorn if you want. Get comfortable, find that that perfect seat, get the movie ready to go. I've got it all set up here, and uh, well, uh, farewell and adieu, uh, shall we say? Um, any event, everybody, thank you as always for tuning in and hearing what I have to say on movies, especially on a day uh, like this one. I hope you enjoy it. So now, without any further ado, let's start this movie that we can all sink our teeth into. Here's Jaws. I love the opening to this film. 
Start off with the sound of the ocean in the background and then that ominous score, that bone-chilling score by John Williams. It's incredible how much is associated, not just with this film, but uh, danger and, and trouble in our in our pop culture zeitgeist. It's amazing. Steven Spielberg said that he attributed 50% of this film's success to uh, to George uh, to a John Williams score and and I fully fully support that I mean the film is is a masterpiece and it's an it's an acting triumph it's a special effects triumph it's a phenomenal story but the score by Williams it, it's on a whole other level and I mean there's a reason why he's arguably one of the greatest living composers today and why he won an, an Academy Award for this film I mean it's just a it's incredible absolutely incredible. Ah yes. Now for all you uh, all you travel bugs, uh, this is actually shot right here. This is South Beach, Martha's Vineyard, just off the coast of Cape Cod. And interestingly, the island had never been photographed prior to to this movie by a by a major motion picture. Um, Universal coming to the island and, and scoping it out, and then ultimately setting up production here. This was a, a first and. There was a lot of hesitation, I guess, with the uh, with the island and, and Islanders about having a, a major motion picture come and then set up shop on the island for a number of months and having a mechanical shark in the uh, in the waters off the beach. But uh, you know, nearly nearly fifty years later, I mean, Martha's Vineyard is a, a major destination. I mean, it sees over one hundred fifty thousand people a day during the during the peak summer and. Certainly, much of that is because of the the interest and uh, passion that this movie generated. And I, I've been to the vineyard many, many times, and I mean, it's just such a wonderful, tranquil place. And uh, especially as, uh, as as a Jaws fan, as a movie fan, it's great to to go to all of the locations because the movie was practically shot on the vineyard, with with varying, uh, very few exceptions. The film was shot there uh, on uh, on Martha's Vineyard, and uh, it just adds it adds to the realism of it because they had debated, I guess, at points going and, and shooting the film either on uh, you know on like a back lot in a studio or at one point because it was hard to work on location to work in the real ocean. Uh, they had considered moving the film to to the Bahamas where the water would be calmer and, and clearer, but uh, it was. It was really a, a major coup to, to, to set it up here because it adds to the realism of this film. It doesn't feel like a, a studio backlot. It doesn't feel fake or, or phony. It feels like we're there on a real place. Amity Island looks and has the vibrancy of a, of a seaside community. And another interesting point, and I'll point out as, I, as the scenes come up, but a lot of the film features local islanders and... Um, uh, uh, actors from the uh, from the Boston area, so there was this real attention to detail about making this look and feel and sound like a small New England town uh, versus you know a bunch of uh, of, of uh, sort of Hollywood actors coming in there and, and setting up shop. I mean, certainly in the case of, of Dreyfus and Scheider and, and Shaw, uh, but but. Uh, the the locals that really adds just to the the credibility and and I think again gives the uh, the, the film such a, a real authenticity that you don't always see.
this scene is so chilling. It's perfect, perfect demonstration of suspense and tension. Just the music, the point of view. Remember the first time I ever saw this movie as a kid? Scared the living daylights out of me. Because what you don't see is sometimes more frightening than what's on screen. And interestingly enough, the the scripted ending or, or opening, I should say, one, or one of the suggested openings for this for this particular scene involved the shark actually rising out of the water and and devouring uh, Chrissy uh, in in full view. Uh, but as as the uh, as as the legend goes, as the story goes, the shark had famous mechanical problems and and didn't work throughout much of the film uh so that might be part of the reason why that opening was was scrapped but 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 Steven Spielberg felt that it was more important to to play with the audience imagination versus just having a shock moment and certainly that would have been incredible to see the shark rise out of the water but it, it's actually more effective as a scene because it plays on suspense and 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 our fear of what's below the water and then you couple that with John Williams music uh, this was this was the right way to go and it really sets the tone for the entire film I mean if if this scene didn't work and I would argue a lot of what makes Jaws so effective and, and frankly successful is the lack of of showcasing the shark that's something that I think the sequels and every subsequent shark film that has ever been made misses the mark on is that they show the shark too much this the shark is barely in the film now there was obviously mechanical issues that prevented that but much of the film is about where is the shark and, and we don't see it it's that fear of, of the unknown and it allows our collective imaginations to wander and, and sort of a, and create a reality that is sometimes uh, even more frightening than, than what we see on on the screen so I, I I'm a big proponent of less is more especially when you're you're making a monster movie and and certainly uh, th this is a perfect scene this is what to do with with a suspense scene oh just amazing and of course should note uh, this is all this film was inspired by the novel by Peter Benchley. Uh, sometimes people don't realize that Jaws was, in fact, a novel. It wasn't a movie then had an adaptation. This all originated from the creation of, of Peter Benchley. And while the novel is definitely more um, uh, plot-heavy, I guess, even though that, now that probably isn't even the right way to describe it, uh, the novel is... is is a much different beast, shall we say, than than the actual film. The movie takes sort of the the, the spirit of the book and, and and runs with it and creates something that I think is actually much more effective and, and efficient. It's sort of a one of those rare cases where the movie is better than the book, not the other way around. Uh, but I mean, this opening scene with with the attack, it's right there in that in that novel, and so kind of really show showcases what that that book accomplished and why it attracted uh, producers uh, David Brown and, and, and Richard Zanuck because they, they they were captivated by that 
that that opening. I mean, that opening is what sets the tone for this entire movie, and it, it all began in in the pages of of, of Benchley's novel. And uh, interestingly enough, Jaws was not the original title for the uh, for the book. There was a a dozen other titles that that Benchley and his editors considered, but uh, nothing seemed to be uh, to you know to satisfy anyone. And then. Finally, at the last minute, sort of as these things uh, as these things go, they said, "Let's just call the book Jaws. It's simple. It fits uh, fits right on the on the spine of, of the book jacket." And boom, done. And I mean, of course, the rest uh, the rest is history. But I mean, what a perfect perfect title, Jaws. I, I remember watching a, a documentary where Steven Spielberg said when he first saw this uh one of the scripts for jaws he, he had no idea what it meant because i mean now you say jaws and people understand it there's the connotation the the reference it's in uh, it's imprinted on our on our zeitgeist but back then jaws was just a word it, it, it you know didn't have the special meaning that it does today and interestingly enough spielberg thought it was a movie about a dentist he, he had no idea that it was uh, a script based on this this book that was in the process of becoming one of the uh, best-selling uh, books in the nation at that time, and I mean, of course, you know, the rest is history. But it's just sort of interesting because it, it it says so much um, uh, about this about this story, about these about these characters, and it, and it really, you know, you talk about a perfect title, Jaws. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better better than that. Wanted to mention just Roy Scheider, a phenomenal phenomenal actor and again just bringing that realism to to the character and to the story i mean you really do get the impression that he is this new york city cop transferred here and 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 it's just it works it works so well and i know brody of course is you know was created in the in the book but scheider's portrayal it's it's one of the best movie characters he's just great because he, he's he's really us he we're we're brody we're the person out of our element we're we're in a new surrounding and we're being presented with this incredible challenge in the form of a shark and you know again how he responds to it it's 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 all on instinct it's all on determination and it's just a great just a great performance so so very human and and, and believable. Now, th- this was another one of those sequences where the mechanical problems with the shark presented, uh, or the, the mechanical problems raised their their fins, shall we say. Uh, this, as scripted and even as shot, featured the actual shark attacking the Kittner boy. And again, a lot of it's done with quick cuts, POV shots under under the water but um, it was a much more graphic and 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 visceral image than than what we saw but again the mechanical shark proved to be problematic and again i I think for every little hiccup that they that they found uh with with the mechanical shark they made up for it whether it was through the point of view shots in the water or the barrels later on or or even just the music they made it work and even spielberg said the 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 technical challenges they faced on jaws made the film all that more creative and and frankly enjoyable because today you would do all this stuff 
practically with with digital creations. You could show the shark as much as you want or as little as you want and still have that that flexibility. Here, they were constrained by mechanical problems and just sort of the limitations of a of a 25-foot uh, shark on a crane. And, and yet all of these little uh, intricacies, they, they work so well and just add to this movie. Again, just a just a, just another lovely day at the beach here in Amity, and all hell is breaking loose. I love how you, we we get the sense that Brody doesn't like the water just from his unease. Again, nothing is said. It's a classic: you know, show us, don't don't tell us. It's all it's all in the in the details. And again, the actors bring these characters to life. It's what makes it sparkle and, and just uh, become three-dimensional. It's just wonderful. Coming up here, we have the, uh, the famous uh, Hitchcock shot. It's great. You'll notice here, Brody rushes down because, you know, again, he's the chief of police. He's concerned about his responsibility to the town and and you see it, he goes right up to the water, but he doesn't go in. That's just a, a, a small little detail that you may miss on, on on your first viewing, but it's right there. You could just see the guy, he, he, he wants to do something, but yet he's, he's afraid of the water. And, and just those little moments that just sort of add to his to his character and, and really further the, his own guilt uh, at, at this point of the story. Because, I mean, interestingly, this scene, you know, of course, is, you know, it's visceral and it's shocking and scary, but it, it really is a scene about Brody, and it's it's his point of view and it's his his concern and his knowing that there is there is trouble on the horizon. Here's another great supporting character in this film: reporter Harry Meadows, played by Carl Gottlieb, who's actually one of the screenwriters for the film and for you. Uh, for you movie buffs out there, he wrote a a wonderful behind-the-scenes book called The Jaws Log, which sort of details the day-to-day -day production on this film, and it's it's a wonderful piece of, of movie uh, movie memorabilia that just sort of shows what was going on sort of in real time as they were making this movie. But again, the character of Meadows uh, had actually a larger role in in both the book and even in early drafts of the uh, of the script but being a, a screenwriter on the film he uh, he realized that you know sometimes you have to tighten the story and that means you have to sometimes reduce characters or or write out characters entirely so uh, as they were revising the script sometimes even on location or or, or the day of of shooting a particular uh, scene uh, he found himself being uh, you know cut back and cut back further from the movie but uh it was all in the all in the name of suspense and adding to the overall tenor of the story, but just a just a fun character. Frankly, every supporting character in, in this film is 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 wonderful, and in this particular scene, a lot of lot of extras and, and a lot of locals from from the vineyard. Uh, again, just sort of give it that that realism uh, that that sometimes can seem artificial in movies, but this was. This was the real deal. This is right here in downtown uh, Egertown, Massachusetts, right there in the actual town hall, which is still still in existence here today. You can go inside and you can go into the courtroom and see where they where they shot Jaws, where they shot this particular scene. But just just wonderful.
again, this is another scene where you know, perhaps in in, in, in in today's movies it would be streamlined to just show a quick uh, quick scene, but just the the dialogue, just the interactions with the uh, all the townspeople and their their disagreement and their uh, expressions of uh, displeasure about the beaches being closed, just again adds to the to the authenticity. Of course, coming up, this is this is arguably one of the greatest introductions of any character for any film, as far as I'm concerned. Robert Shaw was 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 denied uh, an Oscar nomination for this film. Th- this is a a masterful and and just memorable performance. Where again, th- you don't see Robert Shaw. He 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 is he is Quint. He he becomes the character and. Uh, what, 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 just what a great introduction to the character, the nails and clawing on the chalkboard. <laughs> I mean, no better way. We, we know who he is. You know, you don't, you don't need some massive introduction. You don't need to even see him on his boat. Perfect way, perfect way to introduce him. This is, this is great. And again, keeping with that theme of authenticity. It just seems like a real character, like some fisherman, some some cantankerous old old uh, grizzled seaman who's down there, and and it just oh, it just works so well. This is another one of those scenes. Just again, the character moments in this film really, I think, enhance the overall quality and enjoyment because it's not just the set pieces, it's not just the action. We're in these characters' lives. We're part of this story. And getting to have these intimate moments, like with Brody and, 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 and Ellen, it's, it's just perfect. It's perfect. Again, it, it enhances the believability. Like, you get the feeling that this is a, this is a married couple. This, this, is, this is, you know, two people who know each other. And, again, just, just a wonderful scene. Lorraine Gary, she was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Just again, that that believability, and I think even Steven Spielberg said she had that quality that just made it shine across on the screen. That this was, she was a wife, she was a mother, she was she was all these things, and and she just she takes a character that in the book, I mean, Ellen has much more of a of a subplot, and uh, she has an affair with 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 Hooper, and I mean, thank God they they took that out because it would have completely distracted from this movie and and would have added unnecessary tension and, and, and deviation from the point. But, uh, I mean, she's just great. Because in the book, Ellen's kind of unlikable, and there's a lot of marital strain between her and Brody. But none of that is here. But you get the sense that this is a, this is a, a couple these people have been through through thick and thin, and, and she, she just enhances it. She's, she's uh, just, just a great addition. All the supporting players around Brody, Hooper, Quint, they just make the film work so much so much better. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a flawless film. I, I can't say it enough. It's a flawless film. Oh, th- this scene coming up, oh my God, this, this was one of the most frightening scenes in the film for me because it takes place at night, and again, we never see the shark, the brilliance of this scene. And again, it's all set up. You know, I love how the, the shark mania has set in on the island and people are trying to go out and, and catch this beast. <laughs> my wife's holiday roast. <laughs> oh, my God. But no, this scene, like, again, the music, the, the, the suspense, the tension, and we never see the shark. And, and again, it's coming up. But, 
oh god, this this scene used to freak me out so much. Like you'd be in a pool and you see like just a float or a raft just sort of drifting through the water or in the ocean. Like okay, is there something under there? <laughs> oh my god. Even again, just these characters, you know, two two nameless guys, they, they just work. I love how Brody is becoming obsessive. Again, these kind of scenes didn't have to have this in the movie, you know, but it just adds to the overall tension that, that's going on, and it just makes it that much more real, you know. Like again, he, he's the chief of police; he's on his way. Again, just little stuff like this. Okay, he sees a shark tower. Oh, it's just fantastic! Absolutely fantastic. Again, a little foreshadowing there with the um, with the tank in the shark's mouth. Again, all this comes back to it. You know, Brody very much thinks on his feet. Uh, very, very, uh, very clever character. Oh God, th- this scene. Oh, th- th- this this gave me nightmares. Again, it's just perfect camera work, music. Oh my God, this was so crazy. And again, this was the genius uh, of Spielberg and company because when you had a shark, a mechanical shark that didn't work practically all the time, you had to be creative. You had to get innovative. And and this is another example of it. And frankly, this is more frightening than if we were to actually see the shark or see the shark's uh, dorsal fin. This is is terrifying because it, it allows us to be a part of this because we're right now we're this guy we're Harry we're swimming we're, we're or Charlie whatever his name is uh, we're, we're, we're swimming and, and, and oh my god because the music just just intensifies <laughs> oh my god this is such a terrifying scene come on Charlie come on swim swim Charlie oh my god Like I mean, literally. I mean, you know, just as a kid watching this, it was like, "Oh my God, this is this is so intense!" Like you could just picture yourself struggling to get up, and then, of course, oh my God, you get that breather. And sometimes the simplest tricks are the uh, are the best. Can we go home now? This is uh, down downtown uh, Edgartown Harbor, Amity in the movie. Martha's Vineyard is a is a wonderful place. Just as an aside, it is. I've been there many many times, and it's it is honestly a serenity for for me. I I'm at total peace whenever I'm whenever I'm there. It's just such a it's just such a, a different world in a lot of ways. I know, sort of you know people think oh it's this uh, this uh, you know, rich rich hideaway. Uh, for for the famous and and well connected politicians, but it, it really is just a just a wholesome and it's, it's a magical place. It's a magical place, and certainly I you know got the 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 affinity for it in part because of Jaws. But in addition to Jaws, it, it's just such a just such a special island, and, and the people are so kind and, and wonderful there. And it, it's just all your stress, all your troubles. Go away once you get on that ferry and and, and you arrive uh, on the island. It, it you know t- time stops. You know the 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 days all uh, sort of you know it's one long day. It's it just uh, it's just wonderful or an endless an endless summer day. I guess is the way to say it. But it's 
Richard Dreyfuss is great in this. Again, everybody in this film is flawless. Like I, I couldn't imagine another person playing these characters, and you know, even if you know, remaking this movie, I, I, I don't know how you top these performances because they're so in sync, they're so uh, identified with with these roles that it, it would be a, it would be a disservice. I think it would be a travesty. To, to remake this film, I think it is it is a flawless film from from start to finish, and all, all you would succeed in doing is having maybe some more effects with the shark, show, showcasing the shark more. But you aren't going to top it. You aren't going to top the music. You aren't going to char- top the uh, Bill Butler cinematography. You aren't going to top Spielberg. I mean, th- this movie, th- this was. I, I mean, to me, I think this is his greatest work. I really do. I think it is a. A, a phenomenal piece of, of, of cinema and just in terms of movie making. I mean, even Quentin Tarantino has said it's one of the greatest films ever made just from a technical standpoint. You know, put aside the the story and, and the characters, just the, the way in which this film was made and the, and the, the tricks that were, were pulled and, and the techniques, it's, it's, it's something incredible and it's endured. Jaws does not feel dated. This is 1975, almost 50 years ago. And, and, and it's timeless. It, it holds up because even though this was, you know, 19, you know, early, late 1974, early 1975 when they were, when they were making this film, it works. It, it works because it's, it's not about a particular time period. It's not about a, a particular situation or a historical event. It, it's about, about man versus the elements. And in this case, you know, survival against a, a great white shark. Now another fun fact to point out the uh, the coroner in this scene with Hooper and Brody he was a uh, a real doctor on the island and so this was a another case of a uh, of a local uh, appearing in the film that again just gives it that that enhanced believability oh yeah. interestingly when this prosthetic arm of, uh, of Chrissy was first brought to Spielberg he thought it looked fake now the the production team behind it went to great lengths I guess to, to create a a, a a realistic looking uh, uh, you know, severed arm and, and, and torso uh, you know from from the from the shark bite but he, Spielberg said well it may look uh, you know, realistic, but he, you know, to him as a viewer, as an audience member, he said it doesn't, it doesn't appear, re- you know, it looks fake. And so they went back and they they redid it and kind of added a little bit more, you know, blood and guts just to sort of give it that, uh, you know, movie quality, if you will. And and I think that was, you know, a good decision. I mean, that's that, that's where movie magic shines. You know, it's not necessarily to have to be the most believable or or the most realistic, but it has to work within the confines of of the story that you're telling. I just love Martin. He's just great at this. No, no. Uh, a real. This was a real shark, flown in from somewhere in Florida, and they shipped it up to Martha's Vineyard, and it arrived in a kind of like a wooden coffin, and it was, I mean, it was already rotting and, and started to decompose. I guess by the time they got it. Uh, propped up and, and they disposed of it quickly after filming this scene but again just you know 
it, it's it's the subtleties of of, of of scenes like this that just enhance this movie. I've said it you know many times already, but it just makes it work. And Richard Dreyfuss, uh, his uh, his casting, you can uh, you can uh, tip your hat, if you will, to uh, to George Lucas because he was the one who uh, who. Uh, oh, I love this part with with Quinn. Just again, this this is another great scene with with Robert Shaw because he's just cruising by on the Orca, and 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 he knows again. Like we do, we don't even need a full a full bit with him. We don't even need you know more of a of a close up. I just you know him in the background just just sort of laughing because he knows it's not the real shark. It's just again a great scene. I love it. Oh. But um uh, George Lucas was the uh was was the was the reason for, for Dreyfus's casting because they had worked together on American graffiti and uh you know he and Steven Spielberg uh were friends, uh, still are friends. And when when Spielberg was was looking to cast the Hooper character, uh, Lucas was the one who made the recommendation based on having worked with him on American Graffiti, and I mean, he's just he's great. <laughs> A what? <laughs> I mean, some people say that the, that that Mayor Vaughn, Larry Vaughn, he he's the real villain of this movie, and, and I mean, certainly you could make that that case because I mean, all the mayor is concerned about is uh, is tourism and, and keeping the island and the beaches open for for the summertime, and uh, you know he's you know in many ways you know he's almost worse than than the shark in a lot of ways because his his number one thing is uh you know uh, is 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 a uh, you know, bringing in the uh, the summer dollars as he puts it but i mean murray hamilton is just so so great so charismatic and those those suits are are just there's something else <laughs> the uh, the anchor suit that he wears later on i uh always wanted that jacket that's a that, that's a great coat but i mean he, he's he's phenomenal in this he again all the supporting players you know they they they, they just add to this film and you know, just Mayor Vaughn is 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 just a, another one of those characters that just you know we all know uh, or know of you know local politicians or you know people that are only concerned about one thing and you know it's 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 an interesting fact that in Jaws too, of course, he is still mayor. Which you know, if, if that's not a lesson or or a message to say vote in your local elections, folks, I don't know what is, but. Uh, in the book, his character has much more of a subplot, and there's a whole situation of him having ties to the mafia, and that's why he feels pressure to keep the the the, the beaches open and the tourism alive uh, throughout the summer. But uh, again, that was all taken out of the the, the movie uh, and, and the and the script because you, you want to focus on the main points. Which again, the main points you've got a shark stalking the waters of Amity Island and you've got the chief of police trying to protect the community and the residents and that's it. You, you don't need anything else. You don't need subplots with affairs or uh, you know, mafia ties. It, it, all that's it, again, works great in a novel and it's it's entertaining to read. I always tell people to read the book because it, it is sort of fascinating to see where the film came from and, and, and what originated it but the 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 movie I don't think would have been as uh, as successful if all of those elements had been had been kept. I mean, you know, certainly great character stuff, and there's an argument to be made there. But uh, I, I think 
you got to keep it on the on the focus. You got to keep it on the action. You got to keep it on the suspense. You got to keep it on the characters. But I just, uh, as I've said before, sometimes I think the this is a case where the movie is definitely better than the book. <laughs> Again, just another another great scene where you know we we really feel for Brody. We 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 get where he is coming from because he blames himself and he knows this. He knows she's right. And Mrs. Kittner, um, the actress uh, Lee Ferriero, she was uh, she was another island resident, and um, I guess for, you know for years when people would would come up to her and. And, 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 and knew she was in the movie they would you know ask her to do the famous slap and I guess she did it for a great many years but uh, I think within the last you know probably 10 or 15 years she you know, her, her uh, you know, family and 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 uh, and some you know lawyers are like yeah probably shouldn't do that but uh, she, you know she's a great again another another character that just adds to the just the overall enjoyment of this film uh, she sadly has passed away but she uh yeah, she definitely, you know, lived up the uh, the uh, the excitement and, and the notoriety from from this movie and, and for that role. I mentioned earlier, just great character moments. This is another one of those scenes where, you know, you could see some you know some directors or, or, or even today a scene like this probably wouldn't even be in the movie because it's. It, you know, it's not necessarily we don't learn anything per se in terms of moving the plot, but it's just a nice, it's a nice character moment to just to show Brody and his and his son, and it's uh, it just it, again it, it makes the the whole story feel bigger than 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 what's going on, and it makes these characters come to life. Just love it. It's it's, it's really a lot of these these small character moments that just make Jaws all that more memorable and. And special. It's, again, it's more than just a movie about a shark. It really is about a family. It's about a. It's about a community. It's about survival. <laughs> this is this is another one of the great scenes. Just Hooper coming in, <laughs> bringing the wine. <laughs> I love when he just sits down, starts going to town on the food. How was your day? <laughs> oh, this is great. Swell. <laughs> Just so funny. Martin hates boats. Martin hates water. <laughs> Scheider's response here, his his delivery is, is flawless. Drowning. <laughs> it's just like, bingo. We don't need anything more. Nothing, nothing more psychological than that. Just afraid of drowning. Like perfect. Again, I love how again Brody. You know, this is a man completely out of his element, and, and yet trying to to understand his surroundings and, and figure out what he is dealing with here. Why don't we have one more drink and go down and cut that shark open? I mean, I mean, just the lines from this movie. I mean, there's always the the ones that people quote, like, you know, you're going to need a bigger boat or uh, Brody's a smile, you son of a bitch. But I mean, even just lines like that, you know, I can do anything. I'm the chief of police. It just <laughs> just adds to it. 
Like again, these characters, they never feel like they're just acting out the plot or, or, or serving story points. Like again, we're with them on this journey. We're, 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 we're there. We're, we're, you know, as I said, we're, we're really Brody in a lot of ways. And that's what I, I, I think again makes the film work is that, you know, Brody is the guy completely out of his element and you've got, you know, in, in you know, two, two experienced, uh, you know, shark experts, if you will, you've got the grizzled fisherman, uh, who knows the sea, and then you've got the shark expert, and and yet both of them are are, are in many ways no match for the beast, and it's just the uh, it's just the uh, the chief of police, just the you know the former car, cop from New York, <laughs> you know, just just struggling to to survive and get by, and and he's the uh, yeah, he's the hero of the story, and it just works. Now for uh, fans of other shark movies the uh, the the license plate that shows up here this also makes an appearance in deep blue sea uh, that that I have to say that is the only other shark film that I have enjoyed and again it's by no means on on par with jaws it doesn't even come close to jaws but but just as sort of an entertaining shark movie it's it, it, it did it better than say your shark NATO or something like that but uh, now the uh, the license plate did uh, uh, does make an appearance in, in deep blue sea which again just sort of a nice little symmetry and and uh, again I think shows the 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 staying power of, of jaws I mean I mean from the score to just the the lines that are that are quoted again and again. This movie has 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 has, has stayed with us. It is part of pop culture. <laughs> just love their their camaraderie and their, and their chemistry. It's just it, it just everything. They, everybody works so well. Just works. <laughs> I'm not drunk enough to go out on a boat. Now this scene coming up with with Hooper and uh, going to find Ben Gardner's boat. Um, this was actually shot in a swimming pool in the editor's uh, backyard uh, pool. Uh, Verna Fields had a, uh, had a had a large pool and a pool house out back, and, and you know she was editing the film. And for this particular sh- uh, whole sequence, it was shot inside her pool. Uh, so again. A little, uh, little behind-the-scenes uh, takeaway, if you will. But I mean, th- th- this whole scene again. If you ever see Jaws with an audience on the big screen, and, and and this is another film I highly recommend. If you ever have an opportunity to see it on the big screen, do it because there is nothing like. I mean, there's nothing like any movie on the big screen, but but Jaws, Jaws especially. It, it's one of those films where it, it just works. So well on that 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 largest platform, but to ha- to see it with an audience, uh, I mean, people, you know, just the laughs, the cheers, but the but the screams, particularly with with, with this scene that's uh, that's upcoming with with Hooper and the infamous the infamous head that uh, that pops out of the boat. Uh, that 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 scene, every time you see it with an audience, and I and I've seen it at least three or four times on the big screen. Uh, most recently was last year for the. 3D uh, re-release, which was a spectacular transfer. It really was was well done. But um, that that scene, I tell you, every time I've seen it with an audience, people lose it. And again, even if you've seen this movie 
dozens and dozens of times like uh like I certainly have it always gets people and even you know me it's just you, you don't ex- you know it's coming but yet with the way it's timed and and the lack of music right up to it it just it works it works so well and it's it's amazing how nearly 50 years later it is still it is still scaring the shit out of people but uh, uh interestingly this was another scene where um when it was first cut together it it didn't it didn't work the way that it is in the final version where I guess the way it was shot originally, the head was already there when Hooper turned around and, and Spielberg felt that he could get one more jump from the audience, one more scare. And so he went back and, and recut it, retimed it, and that's the way it is in the film. But it's uh, it's one of those scenes where if you see it with an audience, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like People lose their mind over it. And again, for... You know, you have to remember this is this is before the the whole rating system. You know, so there was no there was no PG thirteen uh, when when this movie came out. So I mean, you know, of course, you know, today it would probably fall into that into that into that uh, uh, you know, zone, if you will, that uh, that that category. But you know, back then this this was a PG movie. It, it definitely a, it definitely a, a strong <laughs> PG movie. But I mean, again, shows you the the change in. Uh, in uh, in people's uh, you know acceptance, if you will, or or, or what you know what maybe what, what may have been more gruesome back in the, back in the day. Somebody, a friend of mine, was asking, you know, am I gonna am I gonna be bored you know, rewatching this film because I've seen it so many times and it's it's kind of become part of <laughs> part of my lexicon, especially if you know, you know me, me or even my family, like we're all we're always quoting Jaws or making reference to Jaws. It's it's been a huge part of uh, of, of our lives uh, you know, to the present day, and you know, I was like, no, how how could I be bored rewatching one of one of my favorite films? I mean, this is one of those movies where I, I even though I've seen it so many times, more times than I can than I can count, the fact is that it, it still holds up for me. It, it still holds up, and it's 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 a timeless film. It's it, it has that that quality. As in something about I was saying to somebody the other day something about seventies movies. They, they they were just a just a different breed. I mean, if you look at what came out in that time, I mean, you've got The Godfather, you've got Taxi Driver, you've got Star Wars, you've got the first Superman movie, you've got Chinatown, you've got, of course, Halloween. I mean, just all these incredible, incredible films. I mean, The French Connection. I mean, just all of these uh, these amazing films. And there was such a such a realism in a lot of ways. I mean, certainly not in the case of Star Wars or maybe even Halloween, but you know, in, in, just in terms of how these the movies were shot, a lot of them done on location. Uh, you know, Jaws, you know, being right there on on Martha's Vineyard, and I think it just adds to that to, to that that quality of them. That these weren't just done in a back lot; they weren't done in a studio somewhere. Because I mean, certainly you could have done Jaws on a on a Universal back lot and had all the trappings and, and fixings, but it would have cheapened the film. It would have it would have lost that that special quality that has made it all that more all the more special and and rewatchable. I mean, again, you never feel watching Jaws. It never seems like you're watching a movie inside of a a box, so to speak. You know, sometimes a, a movie, no matter how impressive it is or how great the cast is, you you, you almost know that that there's a the, 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 you know there's a there's a fourth wall or something and 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 jaws never feels that way jaws feels like an open canvas and i think that's really the 
the, the the testament to it being shot on location. I mean, even Spielberg said, I mean, that was the one of the beauties of Martha's Vineyard was you could go out for like you know, 12 miles out to sea and you wouldn't see land. You would just see water and it just sort of get enha- it, it enhances the quality of it. Uh, because it's not like, oh, you know, you, you see land or, or even you see uh, a, a way out or it feels enclosed. Uh, like you think of, I don't know what made me made me think of this, but like if you've seen the the Adam West Batman movie where they're out on the uh, on the submarine during the big climax, uh, you know, again, why, why this came to mind all of a sudden, I don't know. Maybe because there's a shark in it. But there's a fight where there's, you know, again, it's supposed to be out in the ocean. But it, it has the look and it has the feel of a, of a studio back lot. You know, it's very compressed and very condensed. And, and, and even though no matter how engaged you are in the story, you know, there's a part of you like, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is not real. And you, you never have those thoughts with Jaws. Jaws feels like this is, in some cases, like a documentary, but. That whole scene, uh, God, just the head. P- people lose their mind. People lose their head <laughs> over it. But just a just a phenomenal scene. Absolutely phenomenal. So this this scene with with Brody and uh, and and Hooper. This uh, this this is one of those moments where they they were really pressed for time and had to shoot it literally all in in one day because this was actually shot out in in Aquina, which is uh, one of the northern parts uh, of the island, and they had to literally do everything all in one day. So that scene at the beginning where Brody's driving and he goes past the sign that was shot, and then they obviously came back and 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 did the part with. Uh, with 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 Vaughn and and Hooper, but they they were pressed for time because the the town was like, no, we we want this all done in one day. You can't have more than that. A lot of headaches like that were uh, a challenge for the filmmakers because, as I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of resistance at the time when this film came out or, or was being produced uh, because you know people are private. People don't want uh, daily disruptions, and 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 Martha's Vineyard isn't. Isn't all that big? Just to just to give you some you know, perspective, the island itself is, is is only twenty miles, twenty twenty and a half miles long. I mean, that's 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 the length of this thing. I mean, it, it's it's not a huge place, but yet there's so many little um, kind of you know, nooks and, and crannies, if you will, that it almost it feels larger and it looks larger than than it is in actuality, but. It's a, I mean, it's a slice of, it's a slice of heaven on earth. Uh, I, I can say that. I mean, you, you just feel like you're in another, another place, another, another point in time. And uh, I, I have nothing but, but fond memories of, of, of this place. Just love their banter. It's again, you know, Larry is, is such a. He's a character you love to hate because I mean he he is only concerned about <laughs> preserving the town's economy and it's like you know you've got the scientists you've got the chief of police you've got them presenting all these these facts and these figures and it's you know these warning bells and he's like no no everything's fine here everything's fine no can't do it oh, it's, you know it, it, it hits hard because I mean certainly we have seen a lot of this in uh, 
in actuality in in, uh, in our day to day stuff with uh, politics and uh, and government the last uh, uh, number of years where there's you know, sort of the contradiction of of experts. <laughs> but uh, wow, this is just one of those scenes. I love this part. Get your name into the National Geographic. <laughs> love this whole part out where this this uh, whole scene is is shot um, there's a bunch of gift shops and I feel like a tour guide right now so forgive me but uh, there's a whole bunch of little gift shops and restaurants and there's a one there that's kind of perched on the hill you don't see it in the shot but there's a the gift shop, and inside they have a, a small replica of the uh, of the of the sign with uh, the the shark fin, and it's just a great thing. I've got pictures of it somewhere, and yeah, it's sort of it's interesting because like I said the island was very um, I don't want to say you know was hated it, but they they were definitely resistant to the idea of Jaws. I mean, there was a lot of internal backlash back uh, when the film was was being made, and when they return for the sequel, I, I've seen pictures of protesters like Universal Go Home and uh, whatnot. But but now it it, it certainly in, in hindsight people are much more receptive and I think uh, embracing of of the whole film and its legacy with the island because it it definitely increased tourism. I mean, I saw a figure once that said that prior to Jaws, the annual summer visits for Martha's Vineyard was around five thousand and after Jaws, it was over a hundred thousand. So I mean, you know, do you know, do the math there. But uh, the, the, this film changed changed everything. It changed you know, James films. It changed the island. I mean, it's it, it's a film we're still reconciling with its with its legacy today. Yeah, there were there were two uh, two ferry terminal spots on the island. One in one in Vineyard Haven. The other in Oak Bluffs, and both. Uh, both little central hub, the hubs, if you will, of, of the island. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say a lot of, of what you see in this film is still there today. I mean, you know, some some renovations, obviously, and some changes, but a lot of it is um, is still intact. Uh, it's very much a time capsule to to another era. I mean, you go through. Uh, the town of Egertown, and it, and it looks like a, a sea village in a lot of ways. You've got these big white houses and, and just picket fences, and it, it it's managed to maintain its its charm even in, a, in an age of of change and uh, and uh, renovation. But uh, the uh, the orca, or I shouldn't say the orca, but one of the orcas used in the film was actually left on Martha's Vineyard and uh, out in. Uh, uh, the, the town of Menemsha, which is, is actually it's kind of another f- fishing village on the island, and I'll I'll point it out once the uh, once the scene happens because Quint's shack was uh, was built there. But one of the the prop boats that they had, I think it was probably for the the finale, was actually left there, and it, and it was left you know pretty much you know to, to to rot, and it remained intact on this little. Uh, on this little uh, you know, piece of uh, of, uh, of enclosed beach uh, in, in the town, and it was just you know, rotted there. And I actually got a chance to see it a number of years ago. And I mean, 
I mean, if, if no one had told you it was the Orca, you, you would have no idea because it had just rotted and, and withered away into, into nothingness. But it uh, it was a uh, it was still cool to see. I mean, even though it was not what what, what you would think as the Orca, it was mostly just a a, a skeletal remains of of, of the sh- of the ship. But you know, still a still a cool little still a cool little find. And for you literary fans coming up, the author Peter Benchley makes an appearance as the reporter. Love this whole part with Larry trying to trying to convince people to go into the water. He just he he's just great. He's just great. And that that anchor jacket that he that he wore in the the previous scene with Brody and, and Hoover. I mean that that that's a must have for any for any Jaws fan. Uh yeah, I, I I've tried to I've tried to track the, one of those down just just as a you know, just something to wear at parties, you know. <laughs> that's a that's a must have, but The water was freezing, I guess, when they were shooting this, because this was all done in like the. I think they started in the spring of of seventy four, and this it went all the way through the fall of seventy four. And I mean, New England waters are are, are are notoriously cold anyway. You get like maybe a handful of days during the summer uh, months where where the water is at least uh, you know. Tepid, <laughs> tepid enough to to go in, but uh, you know some of these shots, like you could, if you freeze frame, you could kind of see people's pained expressions. That oh my god, this water is so cold, and uh, there's a lot of great behind the scenes photos of Spielberg and the crew all sort of up in in, in body wetsuits and, and you know uh, trying to you know survive the elements, and, and the actors and the extras are all there in uh, in freezing freezing cold water, but. Yeah, it's all it's all part of the experience. Now that bridge that you just uh, saw, I don't show up again. That that is a is a famous bridge, certainly for the movie because of its uh, if its uh, you know, iconography in the in the film and in location. But uh, it's in the summertime, people jump off the bridge. It, it you know it's known as the Jaws Bridge, but it also has its own notoriety for for being this bridge where you know people jump off of it uh in the summer it's like you know 20 feet from the ocean and i've done it a few times uh a few times myself and it, and it is a rush i mean certainly as a jaws fan you know, you're going you know you're going into the uh the water so to speak where the uh where the action took place but uh it's a lot of fun and it's it's definitely it's one of those things where, like you drive by it in the summertime and it's like just scores and scores of people on on both sides, um, and, and and jumping off of the uh, jumping off of the bridge. But it's a it's definitely the experience. I, I I've I've done it I've done it a few times, and uh, you know it's it's a rush to, <laughs> to say the least. And I love I love all of these all of these underwater shots. Again, this was a great a great idea by Spielberg to you know, show us the sharks point of view again especially with the shark not working all that much to just you know terrify us another way instead of having to always see the monster but oh, the, 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 this whole scene with with, with Larry you know <laughs> yeah, everyone's having a wonderful time <laughs> just completely detached oh, is it You read reactions to people when they first saw this film. Obviously, this scene 
the way it plays out, we know it isn't the real shark. But everyone, you know, because everyone's sort of on edge and everyone's, you know, jumping at every moment. They're like, oh, my God, we didn't hear the music, but we see the fin, so therefore it must be the shark. And, again, it just adds to it. Oh, I love this. Oh, never get bored watching this movie. Chaos at the beach. Everybody's probably swimming, racing against the, the clock to get out of the water because I'm sure it was so damn cold. I mean, the cinematography is just incredible in this film. and it, it's, it's an entertaining story. It's an engaging story. But it's it, visually, I mean, just... Uh, Bill Butler was was incredible, and a lot of these film, a lot of the filming had these special cameras built so they could do sort of you know the POV shots of the shark or or get it so the the camera was water level because the theory you know the thought behind it was you know when we're in the water we only kind of see what is sort of directly in front of us as we're as we're treading you're not seeing what's behind you or what's to the side you're just sort of seeing what's right in your periphery and can just sort of just adds to it, makes it, you know, those little flourishes just make the film that much more special. Of course, the big, uh, big scene here. There's the fin. Again, this is where I'm saying, like, the, the, just the, the authenticity of this being on location with, with, with extra, with real beachgoers and, on a on a beach, it just adds to the film, makes it that much more real. You buy into the you buy into the drama. Now, because part of this is a, is a pond, um, you know, the thought is, oh, the shark can't go into the pond. But this sort of takes direct uh, reference from an actual story that that partially inspired Jaws. The uh, the uh, the, the Jersey Shore attacks of 1916, where a great white did end up getting caught in in a in a pond uh, for for a few days before it was before it was uh, before it was killed, um, and and it had killed uh, three or four people in the surf. Oh my God, that that scene! Whenever someone says, "Oh, Jaws isn't a horror movie," this is the scene that I point to right here. This right there. Oh my God, this is just. It's frightening, but no, the shark in the pond. I mean, that's that's a that's a nod to a real life event, uh, which again sort of inspired Jaws in a way. Uh, just incredible, just an incredible film. Now this scene with with Michael and uh, the man in the uh, in the pond, it was actually much longer and much more gruesome than what the final version is. You can probably find the deleted scenes on uh, on YouTube, but I, you know again I've seen every Jaws documentary and featurette, but this this scene was much longer where uh, the shark had the guy in his mouth and then he reached out to grab Brody's son Michael to you know, get him out of the way and it just went on you know, a few a few four minutes later 
Um, but but they decided to cut it out because they thought it was a little too too much. And, I, and again, that's a choice I think that worked because we get enough of just the blood and the guts with that scene with the leg going on, and it just adds to it. Yep, again, right here, shot uh, shot right in a uh, right in a uh, Martha's Vineyard hospital. Uh, again, on location, you know, makes it work. <laughs> makes it work. I love the change in Brody's character. Where at this point he's been kind of, you know, following orders. He's been taking uh, taking uh, you know, charge from other from other people, and now he's like, no, I'm done. You know, this is it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do what I say now. And of course, got got Larry, who's sheepish <laughs> and, and acting all defeated. But again, again I, I love Brody's character arc in this film i mean not only is this you know but a guy that manages to overcome his fear of water but he, he really does grow a backbone over the course of the film and and really it's through his his challenge with the shark you know he be, he becomes a changed man i mean it's can he when you've seen the film so many times as i have you start to really look at all the the subtleties and the nuances and i mean i i could teach a class just on jaws in terms of the the the, the psychology of it i mean you know Brody being being afraid of of water and overcoming that 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 childhood trauma is just just one other, one key aspect to an otherwise incredible and, and immersive story. Mary Hamilton was just uh, just a gem in this film, absolute gem. And again, just you know, you buy him. I mean, I I, I grew up in a small town, and so I. I know of, of of real life characters like this. We all know those those politician types, but uh, it, it just works. It just there's something in the as I've said, the supporting performances just enhance this film uh, to, to another degree. Here we get we get Quince. Quince Shack, and 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 this was all a set. This was all all built and. Was shot in the town of Manemsha, and and they had again it was sort of you know, one day to to get in there, do all the stuff, and then the set had to be demolished. I mean, there was a lot of headwinds uh, for the production company when it came to shooting this film, but they, uh, you know, they they made it work. I just love his his whole shack though with the with the shark uh, uh, jaws and 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 just the. Just the look of it. I mean, again, this is a perfect case of you know, show, show, you know, show, don't tell, and, and we just get this idea that that Quint is this, this, this is the guy. You know, again, I love how the movie just keeps building. All right, well, we've we've tried ignoring the approach. Now we're going to see if we can actually stop the shark by going to uh, going to an expert, and you know, Quint definitely personifies that uh, at least uh, at least in appearance, but. Uh, Robert Shaw, he, he I mentioned earlier, the man deserved at least an Oscar nomination for this role because it, it is, it's an incredible performance. I mean, especially if you watch some of his other films. I mean, he, again, he always committed to his roles. He was just a, a force of nature a, a, as an actor. But again, this movie, it's unlike anything he played beforehand, and it's 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 a wholly original. Character. I mean, you know, Quint in the book is 
I mean, there's some similarity, you know, just in terms of uh, you know the you know the crustiness and the and the grizzled aspect to the um, to, to to the character, but um, yeah, the the movie just takes it to a whole to a whole other level. And uh, I mean, in, in the book, you know, he's sort of described as this uh, as sort of a gangly, gaunt-looking man with with um, you know who's balding and wears a uh, you know, a cap, and, and 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 again, this is a perfect case of you know, you know the movie su- you know succeeding over the book, but I, I can't imagine anybody playing him. I mean, this is just a this is one of the great performances, one of the great characters uh, of all time, and interestingly, he wasn't the first choice for uh, for the role. Um, both uh, both Sterling Hayden and uh, Lee Marvin were offered the role of Quentin. Both turned it down, and I mean Lee Marvin again. He was another just a dominant actor, just a, another force of nature, and it's sort of an interesting hypothetical. What would his Quint have been? But I mean Robert Shaw just I mean, he brings it. He he brings it with 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 this role, and you know, I go back to what I said about authenticity. I mean you you just believe that this guy is a is a grizzled fisherman with a with a with a with a vendetta against sharks, which again is 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 exemplified even more so with the uh, with the Indianapolis speech later on, which is not in the book. Uh, that that is that is a case where again they had a character and they just they built upon it and turned it into something something memorable. And, and that's another thing. I mean, this has been reported. Over the years, in in many a documentary and and behind the scenes books, but the uh, the tension between Hooper and and Quint, you know, kind of this this clash of ideologies and and beliefs and uh, education. Uh, th- this was real. Uh, th- th- I mean, again, the performances in this film are are, are something else, but the 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 onset tension between Richard Dreyfus and and Robert Shaw uh, was real. They they did not uh, uh, hitch horses, so to speak. They did not get along, and um, you know, again, it, it shines through in this uh, in their moments together because they they did not get along. They did not like each other, and you know, it's sort of you know interesting behind the scenes uh, you know tidbits, but uh, in terms of the the story and the characters i mean just bravo you know bravo but uh the uh, the animosity was uh w- was not fake they were they they were uh they, they were they were expressing how they felt <laughs> and this is another major difference in the book and i remember the first time i read it uh being being shocked by it they they obviously they're going out to sea right now they're going out to hunt the shark but in the novel they come back in every night and, and it takes place over the course of a couple days and again I've said it before you know the the movie is superior to the book in every way and, and this is just another example where you, you would have broken the tension and the, and, the, and the drama if they had been well we've looked all day and, and we're going to go back in at night uh, I, I like the idea of them all being out there uh, continuously hunting the shark. There's no going in uh, for, for for dinner. They're out there on the sea uh, until they find this beast. But uh, again, another another nice change that uh, again added to the tension and the drama 
uh, of the moment that that otherwise would have been lost, and it, and it definitely slows down the book because you lose that that suspense. Now this little <laughs> this little monologue that uh, that 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 Quinn that Quinn says uh, actually was not in the script. This was a, an ad lib from um, uh, from from Shaw, and he used uh, he had this uh, inscription that he saw in a tombstone in Ireland, and he thought it would be appropriate to recite at this moment. But I I love this shot uh, of the shark jaw. It's uh, that, that, that's probably one of my favorite shots of, of Jaws. Just a great, great, great mood setter. There they go, leaving uh, leaving uh, to go find it. And that there, that is that is Benemsher, and, and much of that has not changed to the day. Now this is it. This is this is where the movie really kicks into gear. Again, all on location, all right there, and everybody was seasick. Everybody couldn't take it, and of course, you know the currents change, and and it was an, it was a near impossible task to to film this movie at sea. I mean, I think Steven Spielberg has said he would never do it again because you can't control the ocean, you can't control Mother Nature. But one of the reasons they they ended up picking Martha's Vineyard was because of the sandy bottom on the ocean where you could go out you know many way a lot of way and and be able to you know only have you know 50 or or 60 feet uh you know depth of water but yet put the crane that controlled the mechanical shark on there and yet you know make it seem like you were actually out farther than than they really were uh again it was sort of one of those uh, hidden gems of Martha's Vineyard but Again, a little little foreshadowing here with the uh, with the air tank again, and the scene coming up with 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 Quint where he's holding the uh, the rod and he's uh, you know thinks he's got it. The, Robert Shaw, I guess, was violently seasick from this during this particular take, and yet yeah, you know, he managed to deliver uh, just a, a just an incredible. Uh, performance one of one of one of one of many but I mean, it's amazing looking back on this film of just how they were able to to, to 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 achieve it i mean the film cost originally the budget was around 4 million dollars the movie ended up costing 9 million dollars and that was in part because of all the difficulties with the shark and, and production delays and I mean the, the nickname of the film while they were while they were shooting it was flaws because everything everything just seemed to go to go wrong and and you know Spielberg was not Spielberg yet yeah you know, he was he was you know in his mid twenties doing this film and was still very young and and inexperienced and to have all this sort of you know you know dropped on on your lap I mean it's it's amazing and incredible what was what was accomplished, and to think of the you know the shark not working all the time, and and having to be creative with with the barrels or or with you know the 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 other you know the 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 dock or even just the the point of view. I mean, it just it added to that to that film, and and you know I, I didn't know this actually until uh, recently. This movie was the first ever to be shot. 
at such great lengths on the ocean. There, you know, this was this was a major a major milestone, and of course that led to led to problems. And and you know, you're not working in a controlled set where where you're where you're you know pulling all the strings. You're you're going up against Mother Nature, and and they definitely had that that issue. I mean, there was one scene in the movie, and I think it's it's later on after the the shark has been sighted, but um, they had. It was like a sailboat contest that was happening, and so all of a sudden they started seeing these sailboats in the horizon, so they had to stop shooting until all the sailboats went out of frame because otherwise they would have been in the shots. I mean, that that kind of stuff, I mean, it's it's comical. I mean, you know, there could be a behind-the-scenes movie of the making of Jaws, and I think it would, would, would be a, a runaway hit because there's just so much... I mean, the making of Jaws is almost as interesting as, as the movie itself, just what was going on and, and, and the... Overtime on, on on making the film. I mean, it was as I said, they started it in the spring, and it was supposed to be like a you know fifty day shoot, very very tight, quick schedule, and and the film ended up wrapping in October of of, of seventy four. So you figure they start in the spring, go all the way into the summer. So it was a hundred and fifty nine uh, day shoot, which you know Steven Spielberg you know looks back on it. And he says, I, I I'm amazed that it even that it all worked and he's never been back to Martha's Vineyard because he had such a such a traumatizing experience which you know kind of you know uh, clashes with my, with my uh, with my description of it being this place of uh, tranquility and, and 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 peace and relaxation but for Spielberg it was anything but a day at the beach and and certainly understandable given how the film had uh, you know it had been such a challenge I mean he was afraid of being fired and at one point, because production was so hard with the shark and, and the weather and, and the elements, they did think of moving the film down to the Bahamas where they could at least have some more control of the water. But uh, the producers, uh, David uh, David Brown and Richard Zanuck, both uh, both said, "No, we're not. We're not leaving. We're going to stay here and finish the film because they were concerned that if they stopped filming and 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 paused that." They would never be allowed to be finished. Uh, again, just these, these these crazy, you know, what ifs, uh, you know, you know, what you know, what if Jaws was never made? I mean, or what if you know production had been ceased? I mean, it was definitely not idle idle talk. There was definitely a real possibility that this film may uh, you know may never have seen the the light of day. But I mean, of course, you know, the rest is is history. But uh, the making of this film was a uh, <laughs> was anything but fun in the sun. But I mean, it's been it's been said, it's been described by all involved that that the shark not working, uh, and, and there's actually a, a a great documentary on, on the film called "The Shark Is Still Working," uh, which is sort of a, a play on what was uh, what was said by the crew and the production staff every day. You'd hear these you know announcements on the radio. Okay, the shark is not working. The shark is still not working. And this scene actually coming up is the first time that the shark actually worked and, and, and didn't work all that long but it did work for this this upcoming scene with 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 Brody but again I think it it shows that you know when you when you have a situation you have a, you know, a problem you're going to try to think on your feet it, it it really made this movie all that more incredible it went from you know what could have just been another creative monster movie um, situation into some into a much more suspenseful and uh, thrilling picture, kind of in a, in a Hitchcock tradition. I mean, there's definitely more of those uh, uh, you know, references and, and, and nods in the film, but uh, 
I, 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 I love the, the creativity behind it because you, you wouldn't have this today. I mean, today you would, you would have either a completely digital shark or, or, you know, mechanics have improved so much that you would be able to control your environment. And I mean, that's why this film I think works and that's why it holds up. And even though we know the shark is, is fake when, when we do, when we do see it and, and it, and we see it in the context of this film, it seems real. I mean, to me, it looks real because you believe in the story and, and because we don't see it all that much. We just see it a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, I think the the timing of the shark actually being in the film is somewhere like four and a half, five minutes long. I mean, it's not a lot of screen time, but yet its presence is felt throughout the entire film. And again, that's a testament to the music. It's intention, uh, a testament to, to the other effects and, and to, the, to the camera movement that just sort of enhances the overall uh, threat even when you don't actually see it. But, I mean, th th this scene is, this scene, uh, this is incredible. This is another scene, if you see it with an audience, people have that, that immediate reaction to it. So there it is. Uh. And that was it. That was one of the first shots where the shark actually worked. And this line from from Brody, this was again, this was not in the script. This was uh, an improvised moment. And I mean, you talk about you know one of the lines that people people quote, even if even if you've never seen Jaws, you know, you make that reference, people are going to know what you're talking about. Just a great line. <laughs> so many great lines. So many great moments. And I love how in a lot of scenes with this movie, you, you just have the music. You don't necessarily have a lot of dialogue or even action. It's just like a shot, a couple shots like this, where they're just in awe and, and terrified of this of this beast. And, I mean, again, John Williams is a, is a musical genius and... Uh, I love this. Is another one of those shots where they're just all taken in, in, in awe and in shock of the of the shark, and the music itself. I mean, it's been as I said, you know, Williams won a won an Oscar for this for this score, but it's it's incredible, and it it, it has a perfect balance. So you've got the thrilling aspects, but you've also got moments like this and 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 he described it as kind of being akin to a to a pirate movie uh there's sort of that that nautical theme to it that that just sort of enhances it so i mean there's so many layers and and and, and kind of levels of this film where it's it's more than just a just a popcorn film that's actually steven spielberg uh doing the uh uh the the, the radio uh, that's uh him uh Making the call from the uh, the Coast Guard. I mean, j just visually, the film is is a is a is a work of art. Yeah, I, I just love just watching just the just the iconic moments. <laughs> Quint is so chill. <laughs>
again, I, I love it how you know sort of the dynamic shifts again, where you know Brody is completely out of his out of his element, and he's he's just struggling to to make sense of this situation. You know, this is this is the realm of Hooper and 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 Quint, and yeah, of course, you know, it's 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 Brody who uh, who saves the day at the end. When I when I was a kid, th- this was a scene I used to always re- re- reenact in the in the summertime. Like if like if I was at a pool or something, you know, I'd be like I would be Quentin. I'd have like a a pole, or I remember once I had like a long you know, net that you, you know, scoop leaves out of the pool with, and I, I was like, oh, he, you know, he's coming, he's coming, and I'm like, you know, being you know, doing my best my best Quint uh, <laughs> impression. <laughs> oh God. Just the music. Oh. I mean, you're, you're riveted just with it. I mean, it shows the power of music and how it can affect a scene. There comes the barrels. Again, great, ingenious moment to just showcase if the shark was there, even if the mechanical one wasn't working. And, it, and interestingly, again, this just shows what... what uh, you know how things were back in the day. The the mechanical shark was designed by a, a guy uh, named Bob Maddy, whose uh, special effects team was responsible for creating the the giant squid in, in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, so you know, you know kind of had his you know forte with 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 nautical uh, creatures, if you will. And when they built the shark, they tested it in this large pool. I think in, in at Universal Studios, and it worked fine, the mouth, everything, but they never bothered to test it or thought to test it in the actual ocean. So they shipped it out to Martha's Vineyard thinking, all right, we're all set, ready to go. But New England uh, waters, the Atlantic Ocean, is not the same as a, as a, as a, as a swimming pool. And so that just destroyed all of the inner workings and, and mechanics of this, of this shark. But it, it's... It, it works again. It, they managed to pull it off, and I love this scene. How 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 Brody is is is, is concerned and talking, and, and everyone just just fades out. Like okay, no one's listening to you, Brody. Now th- this whole sequence, I mean, you want to talk about again what elevates Jaws from just being a a, a fun popcorn film into something else, into a great piece of cinema. This entire sequence capped off with, with the Indianapolis speech, but even again, as I said, the, these character moments just, you know, we're invested. We're, we're we, As an audience, we're connecting with these people, and you know, I love how Hooper and Quint are, are, are trying to outdo each other with the scars. And, uh, you know, you'll see in a moment Brody <laughs> looks at his only scar, which is from an appendix removal. <laughs> I mean, it just, again, just puts into perspective just how out of his element Brody is. But yet, you know, you, you can't help but, but root for him and, and just feel in, invested in all these characters. I mean, this is just such a, just a well-written and, and well-acted scene. Uh, it's, again, another one of my favorite moments in this film. 
again, that, it, it, it's, there's all these nice points where, where we have a lot of tension, we have a lot of action, and then we get these these quiet, more more character moments. And even if there's there's some laughs and some some humor, it, it just it makes these characters come to life versus just all action all the time or all thrills all the time. Uh, the movie takes takes its its points to to breathe and and relent. Uh, so it isn't all just this uh, this uh, this you know boom 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 assault. <laughs> Coming up, they'll be uh, doing the uh, I drink to their leg. <laughs> Just, just such a great scene. <laughs> Brody checking his, uh, checking his scar. <laughs> oh my god! It just. So funny. Now the Indianapolis was not in the the, the speech was not in the book in the book, uh, but th- this was a scene uh, that was created to kind of give Quint a rationalization for why he he hunts sharks, and and it's a it's a perfect moment because like I said, it it elevates Quint in in into a whole other status to to tie the movie in. With with the real life story of the Indianapolis, and, and, I mean, just from as an aside, I mean this this scene in particular has ex, has exposed this story to a larger audience than 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 even people knew at the time. I mean, there were stories of, of survivors who were on it that that saw this movie and were so profoundly affected by it because it, it's such a a thrilling and engaging retelling of of what actually happened and the 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 scene itself the 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 original text it was much much longer and and like three or four pages of of a monologue and then through various rewrites with with a few other writers um coming in and um, at one point uh the great howard sackler he rewrote it and then robert shaw actually did his uh, version. So by the end of it, it was kind of a, a combination of everybody uh, who um, you know contributed to it. But uh, it initially, uh, I think during one of the takes, uh, Shaw, who uh, you know, did uh, t- tend to favor the drink, um, was was a little uh, a little lost for words during uh, during during the original shooting. And so they they came back the next day and they redid it again. And of course, it's this this take right here but i mean i mean just what a perfect character moment and and again gives an understanding of why quint hates sharks why he's he's made this his life mission to to be a fisherman and to to hunt these these uh th- these creatures down because of his own experience with them his own near brush with death uh, it's 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 wonderful I mean, it really gives insight into his character and kind of also in a way foreshadows what inevitably happens to Quinn? I mean, that whole line, you know, those black eyes roll over white, and then you hear that terrible, high-pitched screaming. I mean, I mean th- this is one of the great scenes in in movie history. I mean, nothing. It's just 
you know, I, I was sort of thinking like, what did the other sequels miss? And 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 certainly, you know, there, there'll be a time and a place to go into the other Jaws sequels. I mean, I I'd be the first to say I think Jaws didn't need a sequel, but that's that's for another day. Um, but 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 a lot of what the films that 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 succeeded this one lacked outside of you know Spielberg and and uh, much of the original uh, crew and, and talent is a scene like this I mean th- this is such a moment that can really takes you out of out of just watching as I said like a, a summer blockbuster a summer popcorn movie it makes it something that much more real and and, and serious and I mean again coupled with 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 Shaw's delivery and performance, it's it's one of the greats. It really is. And I love how they're, they're just so shell-shocked by what Quint has told them, this this tale, this, this telling. Again, this is where we're, again, another point where, the, where the, the, the movie just triumphs over the novel because, like I said, in, in the novel they go back and forth a couple times and you know, there's the added elements with the tension between Brody and Hooper because Hooper's having an affair with with Ellen. Um, all that unnecessary, all that uh, was unneeded, and 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 the movie just streamlines the novel and and really makes it an effective adaptation. And like I said, just transcends it. And again, all of that would be lost if they had just done well. We'd go come back and forth, back and forth. Of course, the barrels. Will be coming soon, and the shark will be there. Again, j- j- just another great character character moments. <laughs> Everybody's letting loose, <laughs> forgetting what's out there. Don't worry, they'll be they'll be reminded soon enough. Quint's the, uh, Quint's the first one to notice. I can't love it how Brody's the last one. <laughs> this was another scene that I remember as a kid was a little unnerving because like the water starts coming in and you're like, oh my God, they're going to start singing right there. Because I mean, again, we don't have to hear the music. We don't have to see the shark. You know the shark is there. You know what the shark is doing, and, and like I feel like in a modern movie today, you would have the you know shots of the shark ramming the boat. You'd have uh, you know, thematic music and 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 all this uh, enhanced tension, and and it, and it you don't need it. Like right here with 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 a light flickering. I mean, it's simple, but it's effective, and and it just oh, I, this is another good shot. Yeah, they're all in the dark. 
Again, we know the shark's there. <laughs> Love how Brody's going to get his revolver. <laughs> like that's going to do anything. <laughs> he's just so, he's so determined. He's completely out of his element. <laughs> Went just singing in the background. Another great shot. Somebody's here. <laughs> if you ever put on the captions, it will always, <laughs> it will always, uh, you know, signify that uh, it'll say like you know, intense music plays or music intensifies. It's just sort of a funny little cue. This is another scene that. Especially when you watch it with an audience, people people go wild. Again, this was this was another testament to, to John Williams, where he had gone out of his way throughout much of the film to use the musical cues to establish when the shark was near or when the shark was was uh, you know, going to do something. And you know, the thought was, now we know the shark's there. We see the barrel. Um, we don't we don't need the music uh and thus making this this next scene where the shark rears out of the water all that more suspenseful and, and frightening and just that that balance that they were able to to strike just again just enhances the <laughs> enhances the film <laughs> i'm gonna make a phone call <laughs> Oh boy, this is this is funny. <laughs> yeah, Quint's uh, <laughs> Quint's going to town. <laughs> You're certifiable, quit. You know that. <laughs> You're certifiable. Uh, the camaraderie is just. Uh, there are very few movies where, where, you know, in this case, you have a nice ensemble where all, all three work in concert with the other, and 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 everybody plays to their strengths. No one's, you know, no one's sort of scene stealing or or, or overshadowing. It, it all. It all works. I love how too, you know, as Quinn's character becomes more and more desperate, it shows that the shark is is wearing him down, and and he you know, realizes that maybe he doesn't have all of all the tricks he thought to uh, 
to take on the beast. And again, it's this idea of trying to be smarter than 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 the fish, or sort of smarter than than nature. And you know, there's only there's only so much at our control. against the shark <laughs> again the realism that is captured here you would not have had the same effect if this had been shot in a in, in a tank or uh, even today if you were to do it with with some kind of a green screen or, or blue screen uh, video technology it, it would lose something Nothing, nothing beats being on location and, and shooting in, in real time, so to speak. The music just it, it hypes us up. We're 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 there in the moment. We're there. We're there for the ride, and it's <laughs> Hooper's having some fun. Brody pulls out his gun. <laughs> A for effort. A for effort. I love it here how you know Quint Quint realizes that maybe he is no match. Just the subtleties. Again, you could write a doctoral thesis on <laughs> Jaws. I mean, there's just there's just so much in terms of the 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 thematics and the the illusions. I mean, it's it's a special film. <sighs> Why do we start leading the shark into shore instead of him leading us out to sea? <laughs> It just, it, it's like a dry humor in this movie. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's not gags or uh, over-the-top humor. It's it's just a, I don't know, just a dry New England wit, I guess. From Brody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stand clear. Again, this is another scene. Less, less is more. We don't need to see the shark. We don't need to see what the shark is doing. We know enough. We can see. What what destruction is, is is happening? How much power this animal has, and it, it just love it. Oh my god! <laughs> Quinn's going full Ahab. <laughs> I 
love that shot. And interestingly, I'm actually meant to mention this earlier, the Ben Gardner character, he was another, he was another local on the, on the island. Uh, I believe his name was Craig Kingsbury. And he helped with the writing for a lot of Quint's dialogue. So a lot of Quint's phrases were, were actual lines that he, you know, he said in his day-to-day life. I mean, he was sort of a, a real-life inspiration for for uh, for Quint. So these weren't just like imaginative lines. I mean, these were these were expressions that this uh, this guy who happened to be a fisherman uh, in real life would, would would say or or stories he would recount. So you know, it's, again, things like that that are sort of peppered throughout the movie and throughout the script that just take this film to a whole. Other level. I mean, they, hats off to everyone who really just incorporated all of the you know, local environment and, and setting into making this this thing work. And it's, it's those little little uh, little tidbits that that just sort of make the movie come alive. I mean, it goes without saying, but it, it is worth repeating. Jaws changed everything. I mean, when we think of the way movies are marketed, we think of the way movies are made, these sort of big summer event movies. I mean, three years later, of course, Star Wars came along and, and, and further changed the industry and, and, and cinema. But Jaws really broke down the door in, in a lot of ways. I mean, at that time, you know, now it's sort of all in our, our consciousness and all of our, our expectation when a big summer movie happens. But Jaws was the first one to, to sort of become the quote-unquote blockbuster. I mean, for a film made on a budget of around nine, $9 million, it made almost $500 million by the time it was all said and done. And, I mean, you compare that with, with, today's, with today's money, I mean, you've got like a billion-dollar films. I mean, Jaws was, was more than just a, a modest hit. This was a, a runaway movie. It, it broke all records. I mean... I've seen these uh, posters that they that the studio had done up that showed each week uh, that it was playing Jaws, uh, devouring and the shark's mouth open and, and and devouring the previous record holder. So you see like the Sting and uh, Gone with the Wind and all these other films, The Godfather, just sort of being taken over by this by this shark and and it's just sort of fascinating because when you look at the film's history and you look at the film's production. I don't think anybody involved thought it would become this huge cultural uh, milestone. That it would become this 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 phenomenal piece of cinema. I mean, the studio once the film was put together, once they had it had it going, they thought, well, we have have a pretty good successful film here. But I don't think anybody could have imagined what it would would ultimately become and how it has changed the industry. I mean, the world in which we live today is in part shaped because of the success of Jaws, the cinematic world. Uh, I should say. I mean, again, the fact that we have summer event movies, blockbuster movies that come out in the summer, that all goes back to Jaws. There was a a point when they were when they were filming, when the orca starts to sink uh, or starts to take on water while they were while they were filming it. Somehow, the way they 
they they rigged the uh, the contraption. The boat started taking on water, and pretty much everything was was being submerged. And at one point, they were concerned that the the footage and the and and the the camera would be destroyed and lost. And luckily, they were able to save it and uh, get it into the lab and and preserve it. But uh, literally, Jaws could have been uh, could have been sucked right to the bottom of the Atlantic. But uh, luckily. Uh, Luckily, they were able to to rescue it in time. I love how at this part you you realize Quint Quint is accepting that he is no match for this for this beast, and now it's it's up to the scientist. The fisherman has tried. Now it's up to the scientist to to do uh, to do his part. But as I mentioned earlier, that that was the real beauty of filming on Martha's Vineyard because of the, the sandy bottom where you could go out 12 miles out to sea and not see land whenever you turn the camera. That was such a genius decision by Spielberg because you really have the sense that, that our that our heroes are, are out in the middle of the ocean and there's a, there's no help coming. It's it's them versus the uh, versus the environment. And I like how they they went to great length story wise to to show that our to show that they're trapped that you know the shark has has damaged the boat so it's not like they can just head in or or find a way to to summon a rescue everything is kind of worked against them either through their own uh, action or by the action of the shark just again subtleties that just sort of add to the overall suspense and uh, intention now this scene that's coming up with Hooper in in the cage. This is this is again where you have to tip your hat to to Spielberg and and, and in part have to t- to tip your hat to 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 fate because in the novel Hooper's character is is attacked in the cage and ultimately uh, dies uh, you know, by the shark. And in the original script. Hooper's character met the same fate. It was going to follow the same format, you know, same plotting as as the book. But as you'll see in in the next uh, next couple scenes, well, with the with the shark uh, attacking the cage, there was a change that was made when they shot the live shark footage because part of the the thinking of the producers was to sort of legitimatize the movie so it wasn't all just a fake shark all in all the scenes they wanted to have some real footage of of actual great white sharks to kind of just enhance the believability so the way it was set up they had these these uh these uh, shark experts and and uh divers and and underwater photographers uh this husband and wife duo Ron and Valerie Taylor from Australia and they were sent to to photograph or, or, or record uh, a video of great whites in their natural environment and so part of the you know this scene was hooper you know getting attacked in the cage and then ultimately the shark eating him and so the way that they they staged it they had a prop cage with a with a dummy diver set in size and it was a set inside it was a miniature cage and and the um you know the, the cage being miniature would look larger uh in, in terms of scale when when photographed next to the to the great white shark because most of them were around 14 to 
19 feet in length versus the shark in Jaws, which is around 24, 25 feet in length. But the thought was that a miniature cage would, would make the charge, a shark look, look, uh, look larger by, com, by comparison. But the way they had, you know, tried to stage it was they wanted to have the shark kind of attack the cage and they had bait and chum and all, uh, fish guts in the water to try to get the shark, uh, provoked. But they said, you know, this, they don't do that. They don't really attack a cage. And so, they were filming for about a week, um, and then finally this large shark, about 20 feet long, came in, and he swam around the cage and ended up getting caught inside or on the top of the cage and was thrashing around, literally destroying the cage. And, and you can find the full video uh, recording of it because it is it is astonishing to watch. I mean, this is you know a, an animal in its, in, its, uh, in its environment, and the shark is just going nuts trying to get out of the cage and it's breaking it up and the ropes are coming down the cables and then finally the hole came crashing down and the shark was able to to get free from the cage and and swim off but when they when they were filming it and of course when you see it in the film it looks like the shark is destroying the cage and even though hooper's character is not in it even though they didn't have the dummy in the uh, in the cage, they decided to rewrite it because the scene or because the footage was so incredible that it looked like the shark was destroying the cage, even though it was just caught uh, by by accident. And so that's why Hooper manages to make uh, his uh, his daring escape um, in in this next uh, next couple of shots. And then what you'll see is the. Um, the, you know the actual footage of the great white just sort of on top smashing around the cage but it it looks perfect i mean that's something you couldn't have have planned and so that's one of the reasons why hooper's character uh ultimately survives that and of course richard dreyfus's performance uh just makes him that much more uh likable and lovable as a character in, in the book all of the characters are kind of are kind of uh, kind of sour. I mean, Spielberg famously said when he read the book Jaws, he wanted the shark to win because he thought all the characters were were horrible. Just they had no personality. They were just kind of uh, despicable or disgruntled uh, people. And and I mean that's again where I I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, the movie definitely is is a is a superior adaptation and it is better than the book. Oh, yeah, here it comes. It's so intense. Now, this was all shot in a, in a tank in Universal. Uh, and then the water, in order to give it kind of a... a, a, a uh, an ocean-like look to make it seem like it was actually in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, the uh, the water they added milk and 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 powder to it in order to give it that sort of murky uh, murky look. I mean, if you've ever been in the uh, Atl- Atlantic Ocean, you know it has that sort of a a texture and, and, and an appearance to it. But again, it's a, this is such a harrowing scene. makes his uh, desperate to make his escape 
just incredible shots. Oh my god! Again, that stuff you you can't plan for it, and it just worked out so so magnificently. There it goes. I mean, you can see this. This was a big shark. This is a really big shark. This next scene, the really the the one of the most famous shots in the film, with the shark rising out of the water and, and landing on the back of, of the boat. This was one of those scenes where the producers said if if they had really thought through this scene after reading the book the first time, they said there's no way we could have made this movie because I mean this was an amazing accomplishment here to to be able to get the shark to rise out of the water and and just to time it all right and it's it's so it's just great uh, this again was another deviation from the book where. Quint kind of goes down fighting against the shark and rather than getting bitten by the shark, he, uh, you know, he was, gets caught in a rope and and is dragged down with the shark when it goes back underwater. But this, I think is a much, a much more appropriate way for, for Quint to go down. You know, he's in many ways, he's taken down by the beast that he's been hunting his entire life. And it's, seems like a, uh, a tragic way to go out, but, uh, in many ways, a fitting way to go out for his character. Such a gruesome end. And even though they they were rubber teeth with the shark, Robert Shaw said that the um, it, it did hurt uh, when it went, when the shark bit down. Th- this was another scene of nightmare fuel where the shark smashes through the. Through the glass. Of course, the you know one of the biggest changes in from the book to the film was in fact the ending. The ending of the book is so pathetic, um, and I remember the first time I read it, I thought to myself because you know, again you think there's a, a direct correlation, but the ending is is such a weak a weak finish. Uh, the shark having been stabbed by Quint and from all the harpoons in it uh, eventually succumbs to its injuries and just before it's about to uh, to get Brody it stops swimming and sinks to the bottom of the ocean and I, that that I mean that may be a more realistic ending uh, but but there's no denying this is this is the better this is the better one and again this was a testament to Spielberg he had a big disagreement with Peter Benchley the author who felt that that it was unrealistic that you know you couldn't shoot a uh, a scuba tank and have the shark explode uh, in, in a massive way, but Spielberg was like, "No, we we got to have a cathartic ending," and and it's so perfect because I mean, this is it. This is Brody's last stand, and it's this uh, you know, sort of again. He's an everyman at this moment. He's sort of relying on his instinct and uh, uh, an experience in order to to save himself and ultimately to stop the shark. But I mean, this is this is a spectacular ending. It's. I think probably one of the greatest endings in in all of film. I mean, it's just such a rousing and it's it's truly a crowd pleasing moment. And uh, eventually, uh, after after seeing it, of course, um, Peter Benchley came around and said that no, this this was the superior ending. Steven Spielberg 
uh, was right on was right on the money with it. And it, I mean, you can't argue with it. just the music, the build up. It's it's utterly fantastic, utterly fantastic. And and every time I have seen this with an audience, everyone cheers. It always elicits a response. Perfect way to end the film. Boom. <laughs> and they actually blew up a shark, a fake shark's head with uh, sticks of TNT. Uh, so it, it, they, they really did blow it out of the sky uh, or blow it out of the water. But uh, uh, such, a, such a perfect ending. Such a perfect ending. A perfect ending to a perfect film. And we often talk about how Jaws inspired filmmakers and storytellers, but you have to think this movie also inspired a whole generation of marine biologists and, frankly, interest in sharks that has continued all the way to the present day. I mean, 50 years later, we have Shark Week, just as an example. I mean, our fascination with sharks and aquatic life and marine life really stems from this movie. It's an amazing legacy. It's an amazing accomplishment. And, and again, from a small movie about a shark, it, it became even bigger than than even the, the concept suggests. I mean, we're still talking about Jaws. I'm talking about Jaws here today. Such a great character moment here with, with Brody and, and Hooper, both of them taking comfort in the fact that it that it's over, that they have... They have survived. They are survivors. Great ending. It's a feel-good film. It really is. I mean, it's it's a suspense film. It's a horror film. It it's a it's a thrilling film. But but it is a feel-good film. I I have so much joy every time I watch it, and it it it, it just it puts a huge smile on my face. I, I love this this ending. What day is this? <laughs> I love Brody's line. I used to hate the water. <laughs> Can't imagine why. It, it's one of the greats. It, it really is. It is one of the greats. And... I, I, you know, I get on my soapbox with, with this particular film. It, it never should be remade. I, I fear that, that it will eventually suffer the fate that a lot of other classic films have, uh, have had in recent years. But I, I don't know how you could ever top uh, this kind of, th this film. It, it was perfect. Everything about it worked. The direction, the cast, the writing, the music, the cinematography, the the fact that the shark didn't work for the majority of the film. I mean, it, it was lightning in a bottle, and they uh, they they changed they changed Hollywood, they changed the movies, they changed everything. I mean, our our pop culture has been shaped in a lot of ways because of the success of this film. But I I. I will get on my soapbox, and, and if Jaws was uh, to ever have a remake, you will be hearing me scream uh, you know, loud from uh, from my particular microphone. You know, 
don't go see it. I mean, I, I really hate, I would, I would hate to be in that position of, of discouraging a film, but, uh, this is one of those movies where it, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's flawless and, only the only thing that would happen through a, a remake would be to. We, we, I don't think you can tarnish the legacy of Jaws because Jaws stands on its own. But it, it would be the uh, the definition of of, of an inferior uh, product. But uh, hope hopefully that does not uh, ever come to pass because, uh, like I said, everything that was going against this film ultimately turned into a turned into a benefit and and. I mean, nearly 50 years later, audiences are still dazzled and, and terrified and, and thrilled by this film and, and by the shark. And to, uh, to, uh, to reference that, that documentary that I mentioned early on, uh, earlier on, uh, the shark is still working, and damn it, it still is. So that, that I think, concludes uh, today's episode. I want to thank you for uh, spending some time uh, with me re-watching Jaws. Hope you enjoyed uh, my commentary. This was now the second commentary at the movies. I will try to do another one of these at least before the year is out. But uh, as always, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies. <laughs>